Sports Podcast. I said, Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast with Andy Ruther and Joe Prano. Welcome to, welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. Welcome to the Dirty Sports Podcast. I am your host, Andy Ruther. Coming to you live from Cincinnati, Ohio, with my co-host via Venice Beach, California, Joey No Chill Prano. Hello, Andy. How are you, buddy? I'm great. I was really hoping you'd go straight from me to Tug so we could get back-to-back Hello Andy's and just see if we could nail it. We, we have the one and only Tug Coker joining us, as Joe just alluded to. Hello, Andy. hello joe hello douglas uh guys i got uh two cold miller lights sitting next to me and three episodes of paw patrol on the tv screen that's how much time i have to do this zoom podcast with you guys today and how how long does paw patrol run 22 22 minutes 22 minutes so uh you know it's 66 minutes of fun for us. I'm very excited. Thank you guys. I had an excuse to get away from my children for the first time in months. I couldn't use you guys because I couldn't see you guys. couldn't be in physical proximity. So it's good to be back. Thanks for having me on. Well, I've got, uh, like, probably, I brought a 24-pack or I bought an 18-pack of Miller Lite yesterday. I've got, I probably got 14 left after my drinking last night. So, um, you know. I've got 14 if we need to go long, Andy. And these hey, are midday, I miss my blueberry. This is a midday beverages over here in the West Coast. Yeah. I was going to say, it's, it's a little early to be drinking Miller Lite, but, uh, but I am. As you should, Joe. The official, the official beer of Dirt, the Dirty Sports Podcast. I have my <laughs> Miller Lite water bottle that I use that I will be drinking. Somebody, somebody screenshot this. <laughs> yeah. The, look at this going strong right now uh i i dabbled in a little bit of tug's life and i when i say a little i mean a very (laughs) little the last few days with my nephews and nieces and i told tug this earlier today joe i dealt with i have two twins that are eight years old and i was helping with their homework while my brother and sister-in-law were working i dealt with it for uh, you know overnight and a little today that was a that was not even a full day Tug has been dealing this with how many days now, Tug? It's like 70, I think. Day 70. Yeah. I see a little of, of evil Tug. You see it, praying a little a evil, lot of evil Tug. I'm, yeah. all, I'm 100% evil Tug right now. <laughs> sure. my, yeah. my kids will fight, and I just let it go. I'm like, you know, I mean, when it comes home, that's fine. Th- you know, that's why, work. you know, we were talking to Walt before the show started. You know, this whole, like, Walt can't hear thing. That's having five children. He can hear exactly. he, just, he just has the ability to literally shut off the volume. He has a mute button on life. Yeah, that's a good and, point. And I, I have a feeling Tug is quickly learning to utilize a mute button. 100%. Now, Tug, I think we just start off with it. The Dak Prescott stuff. You, I mean, you, there's a lot of lot, – I mean, there, as you alluded to on a text to me earlier, there's a lot of information being uh, sent around social media and the Internet, a lot of things to dispel. We don't know exactly what's happening. What I do know is that I think Dak is playing this very nicely. Um, 
you know, Kirk Cousins came away with what eighty-five million after all this sort of squabbling. Yeah, from a couple of years ago. So that that seems to be the blueprint um, for quarterbacks nowadays. Um, you know, we, we we all are not you know high on Kirk Cousins or exceedingly high on Kirk Cousins, but he's but he's been paid. You know what I mean? Like that's 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 Dak's goal, and you know, and so as a Cowboys fan. I said this last year. As soon as Matty, Gold, Matty Goldberg has entered the chat. Damn, Kirk Cousins is going to be the MVP this year. <laughs> All in. Hey, listen, I watch Matty on his Instagram. He's, you know, I'm, I'm waiting for him to take down a title. I don't know if he, I see him play a lot of poker. He's, he's making a lot of final tables. Matty, I know you're listening. Like, let's cash one. We're yeah, really there's, there's, another, um, there's another game that he plays in that, he invited me to that he doesn't for some reason he doesn't like Instagram the the uh, like process, but I know he's the, the the guys who run it have like a running log of there's like an email thread and uh, I know Maddie's already gotten one bracelet from that tournament so oh. he's winning he's won at least one poker tournament. I love that like many poker t- uh, groups have bracelets now. That's like how much time they have on their hands. Like, yeah, yeah. I think they're vir- they're virtual bracelets. But. Yeah. No, no. No, no, there's so much time they make them. There's snap bracelets. I literally have no clue what you guys are even talking about. I don't understand this bracelet. Yeah, I saw thing. you fall asleep on that Zoom conversation. But uh, back to Dak. I mean, Andy can kind of, uh, you know, enlighten the, the listeners as to what is being thrown around. Uh, there, was a, a offer, there was a news today saying that he turned down a five-year, 175-mil deal. Uh, but that was quickly rebuffed by some people out there on the internet, such as Ian Rappaport uh, and, and others. So Yeah, well, I, I kind of read it. I know it, for some reason Chris Sims is becoming some sort of like – Yeah. What, what is it with the quarterbacks who were awful being like, can we get, can we get somebody that wasn't – like didn't have an embarrassing career under center to like make some – like could Chris Sims – if Chris Sims and Dan Orlovsky had like a duel at dawn where they threw footballs at each other, they just both walk away alive, right? <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, how many how many paces do you think till they're safe? But like, I, I read it as that that like the Cowboys were preparing some sort of offer, but that Dak is playing through the press that he's looking for forty five or something like that. I think the bigger question, Tug, I have for you as a Cowboys fan is, like, what's the number where you're like, I don't think that we should give him that? It's a a really tough situation because – I think think it's below 35, by the way. (laughs) It's not going to happen. I mean, that's just not going to happen. I mean, the the thing that you and I have talked about for for years now, which is the, you know, the the rookie quarterback deal or the slash the Giselle deal – um, that's the best way to build your teams right now. Um, Mahomes is under a rookie deal, you know, like well, we, you know, as great as Mahomes is, and we think he's all time great. Like the 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 construction of the Chiefs will change once his uh, gets his new contract, which will be astronomical. You know, my feeling this year, I said last year, as soon as Dak gets a contract, the Cowboys won't win a Super Bowl in my lifetime. I, I actually am bullish on the Cowboys this year. Uh, because of, uh, of Bill Simmons' Ewing theory um, for two reasons. I think there's two Ewing theories at play here. One, Jason Garrett, 
and two uh, is is the uh, the Mike McCarthy Aaron Rodgers situation. Who who's the real Ewing in this situation? So um, once Dak does get that contract, I think the, the all bets are off as far as what the Cowboys can do. But somehow, you know, I've seen them a third or fourth best team in um in 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 the NFC. And I think they're it's like actually this is going to sound weird, but they're they're weirdly undervalued uh, right now um, in the in, in the NFC. Like I mean, it's, you know, the Niners. It's tough. We all know it's tough for the Niners to get back uh, for as you know as a Super Bowl loser. The the you know Joe and I have talked ad nauseum about the Saints being great, but like Breeze being. Do we want to bet on Breeze in, in clutch moments? So and, and Peyton, in my opinion. Yeah, so so it's why you know it's, it's so I think the NFC is actually I don't necessarily I'm not really as much like want to watch the Bucks as a from a fun standpoint like are they going to get there? So I think the Cowboys have a good shot. I mean I really do. It's, it's weird. Yeah, I think I think the NFC is wide open. I, there's a lot of things uh, I want to unpack there, but first I want to defend Patrick Ewing and 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 the and the Ewing theory. The Ewing theory, first of all, was submitted by a. Uh, listener or a, a reader of bill simmons and i actually know the guy he's a friend of a college friend who came up with doing theory so first of all just because i'm a big i'm a bill simmons fan i like bill simmons a lot of people hate bill simmons like there's a, i feel like there's a lot of like real like savage hatred of bill simmons and i don't really understand it like i don't love everything about the guy um but i do i am a fan uh the patrick ewing theory which is correct. Anytime Patrick Ewing was out of that like late 90s, 2000 team, the Knicks were better. Uh, and that is because Jeff Van Gundy took over for uh, Pat Riley and was like not ready to be like his standing alone NBA coach and was just like, I'm just going to keep running through the, off the offense through Patrick Ewing, who's now 37. Like you had Latrell Sprewell and Allen Houston. So when they suddenly weren't running the offense through a turnaround baseline jumper, by a 37-year-old, it opened things up. I blame, I blame Jeff Van Gundy for the idea that the Knicks were better without Patrick Ewing, and I think it's disgraceful. Okay, well, look, as much as I want to talk Patrick Ewing and – I actually love this conversation. I want, I want to put a, a, a pin in this conversation and circle back because I, I have something I want to talk about this later, but let's, let's gear back well, to I, the reason I wanted, The reason I wanted to bring it up is, like, it has gone from Bill Simmons to now, like, this is a, this is a full-on across-the-board sports theory, and for Patrick Ewing's name to be pinned to it. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> That's fair. It's offensive, look. and if you know anything about that Knicks team, that was – it was – it's like – Simply the answer is like when a guy who is as great as Patrick Ewing, and even in those days in like the 99 season, for example, Patrick Ewing is still like the fourth best center in basketball or the fifth best center in basketball, even as he's aging. But that doesn't mean you run a, an offense through him at that point, especially when you have a young Sprewell and a young Allen Houston and Marcus Camby and whatever. I want to pose this though. Getting back to Dak, first of no, all. No, no, no. But let's let's, let's look before. I, good point, Andy. I'm going to cut you off. Let's let's call it the Bryce Harper theory. Exactly. Because Bryce Harper okay. actually, the Nets actually won a World Series. I good suggested point. that last year. I suggested that this become the Bryce Harper theory last year, and no one bought in. And I'm 100 percent buying in now. I've, you know, as a person that was on the Nets, let's let's and, and where the Knicks have not yet won the championship post Ewing. Yeah. This is even better. So now, case closed, it's now the Bryce Harper theory. I support that. I do want to say about the Dak thing, 
to actually go back to the numbers, Ian Rappaport refuted every single thing about Chris Sims' report. So he's saying the two sides have never discussed such scenarios or anything like that. Dak simply wants a shorter deal, not a longer one, and July 15th is the deadline. So this five-year, $175 million deal, I trust Ian Rappaport. Him and Adam Schefter, right, are the go-to guys for the NFL news. I trust them over Sims. So take that for what he wanted. Oh, God. Love it. <laughs> Prano's got full Michael Jordan with the cigar. But I want to pose this to both you guys. And no, I, was, I, I, I just want to say again, the, so when I put that on the rundown, Andy, I, put, I like linked to the Bleacher Report tweet or something like that. It, it still reads, and, and we're getting, you know, maybe bogged down in the details here, but it still reads as though, like, there's an internal conversation about what Dak's number is, and there's what Dak's number, what Dak's team is having an internal conversation. And that they actually, it doesn't seem like no one's, no one's kind of pushing that they've like met and talked and like somebody stepped away from the table yet. But the idea is maybe Dak is saying that just to get him, just to get Jerry Jones to come to the table with that 35. And as opposed to Jerry, who's throwing 35 out into the world to see if, you know, the internet crushes him, which I think they rightfully should. But again, it's also like, what else do you do? Well, to me, you have two things at play, and I want to hear both your guys' obviously feedback on this. You have one, like you discussed. I, I can't take Frank. I'm serious with his you're, Michael you're, Jordan cigar. Your dad called me Groucho Mark, so now I'm just embracing it. One for two, I tell you. So <laughs> the first thing is going back to your earlier discussion on the rookie deal. Name a quarterback that signed a max deal. I mean, not a max deal. They don't have it, but you know what I'm saying? A massive contract extension that's worked out in the last 10 years. I don't know if there is one that's won the Super Bowl. My second point is you do have Andy Dalton there. Well, and, I, and again, the answer isn't even necessarily like winning the Super Bowl. Like I would say, you know, the question is what, what quarterback has it worked out for where it didn't like almost very obviously tamper that, that team's ability to compete across the roster like I am now uh a person who lives on Twitter like arguing with people about Russell Wilson regularly like I've he's just been like added my list and again I'm the kind of guy I'm I've been trying to say for years and I know that when you're a fan of somebody that people take things the wrong way Russell Wilson's fan fucking tastic but does he, has him getting the two deals that he's gotten hampered the Seahawks I don't see any way that you can say it hasn't. And, and he's going to – like, how much better can a quarterback be? How much, like, kind of medium paid can they be while still it not being the right deal, in my opinion? Yeah. No, look, I, I agree. So you, so you have that, but then also, obviously, I've been so critical of Andy Dalton. I've been the number one Andy Dalton hater. But I'm going to say this right there, right here, with all the talent the Dallas Cowboys have. Are they that much better? I know Tug's probably not going to Are they that much better? Because Dalton has shown if you surround him with talent, he can be an all right quarterback. Now, he's never won a playoff game, which Dak Prescott has. <laughs> I mean, are we done? Are we done? <laughs> I mean, is, 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 is that in the argument? I'm yeah. just kind of playing devil's advocate. It does because I, you know, listen, I agree with you on this. I think about Andy Dalton as, uh, you know, 
great teammate, great, you, you know, citizen of this of Cincinnati and, you know, anywhere he's lived. Like, obviously an, an addition, positive addition to the Cowboys. And he's the best backup that the Cowboys have had, you know, in the past 20 years. I mean, we're talking about, like, with, you know, the Whedons of the world and, you know, guys are I, I'm actually – my friends will kill me because I, like, I was a Whedon guy. But, um, you know uh, – <laughs> um, What? Well, I just like I just thought you know I didn't I'm not saying like he was the guy, but I think it was I thought it'd be serviceable, and I was wrong. But I, but I own that. I come out here and I own these things. I, every uh, time I every time I hear I think of Brandon Whedon, I think of that that gif of him getting lost under the flag. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Yes. But yes. He, so I can I pose like a third thing. Like I think that the Cowboys are better with that than with Andy Dalton. Sure. This is the fact. And, and I don't think it's all that close. But are the Cowboys better with Dak at $35 million than they are with Andy Dalton at whatever he's getting? That is the real question because yeah. you need to pay other people. And Andy Dalton is at a point in his career where his value is what his value is. And if you can get, you know, 85% of Dak from Andy Dalton for a tenth of the price. Now we're, now we're having a conversation. I mean, this is, I'll just say this is a conversation. If this conversation is unique to the Cowboys, I think the Cowboys actually have a better chance of surviving a monster contract. This is a, this is a tip of the cap to Jerry Jones. He's a, their, their scouting team is really good. They draft really well. And um, they, so they're able to play with a lot of youth um, in a sense that, like, they, we had to let go of a bunch of players this year, Quinn and, you know, Jones and, you know, all these guys. Um, but we added, you know, we added some key players this year. Travis Frederick left. You know, like, there's a lot of players that we've lost, but we're able to, to, re, to reload. The problem is, is that we didn't have a coach that was good enough to 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 like unleash some of the talent that we had, but also youth, like guys grow up, and you you have to pay these people or you have to let them go. And the idea that you can just always hit on the those drafts is like that's not you can't really just go. We're going to pay Dak and we're going to hit every draft with replacing whichever guy needs to get paid next. I agree with that, but I think I think the Cowboys, as a Cowboys fan, we have you know everyone loves to you know. This America's team. The Cowboys haven't won since '95. Right. Now we're dealing with 2020. Now, I think if Dak wins one Super Bowl, he's a legend. You know. So now, now, now we're, we're not talking about like the next 10 years. We're talking about a next, you know, three or let's say, let's say the 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 the, the players that came in this year. It's a four-year window, right? If they don't win in four years, I don't think it's going to happen with Dak. But here's the thing. I, I I'm of the opinion that like Super Bowls are very hard to come by. So I think if you get one. Super Bowl out of a quarterback, if he's if he's a top ten or top five paid quarterback for a decade, you have paid your that like you got your money's worth. That's the goal. Win a single Super Bowl, unless you're basically the Patriots. Win one, just get a Super Bowl. I was looking at quickly at the, the number for 2021, the quarterback salaries. Uh, uh, you, you guys know who's number one for salary cap, the value, like who is theoretically being paid the most. Russell in like a landslide. Ben Roethlisberger. 
Oh, I thought like you're talking about, okay. Not just total, not like the bonus yeah. and all that. Yeah. Yeah. 41 million. Matt. So the top, I'll go to, I'll go down to, to, to Wilson, big Ben, 41, Matt Ryan, 40, Aaron Rodgers, 36, Breeze, 36, Wentz, 34, Goff, 34, Stafford, 33, Russell Wilson, 32, Kirk Cousins, 31. Those are all the 30s and above. So you got to assume Dak's going to be in that. The next guy is Tannehill. You, got, you just have to assume Dak's going to be above Goff, right? Like, you, you feel like he's going to – his his handlers are going to say he's going to get paid more than Goff. They, I guess the counter is, get, has he been to a Super Bowl? But that's probably where the number's going to land, right? 34, 35? But at this point – what leverage? I don't. As I, as I view these negotiations, I don't think Dak has any leverage because if I'm Jerry Jones, like Joe's saying, these long-term deals. And again, I'm a Russell Wilson guy. I love Russell Wilson, but it does hinder the team. Why? Well, I, think, I I think the problem is just he, franchise him. Well, they did, but he doesn't necessarily have to show up for that, as we know. Then don't, then don't show up. But, but this is my point with the Dallas Cowboys. It's a win-win situation. If Dak doesn't show up, you have an extremely serviceable, arguably the best backup in the NFL, in Andy Dalton. In, in my opinion, Dak has zero, zero leverage. I mean, first of all, I think Jerry Jones loves Dak. I think Jerry Jones wants Dak to be their quarterback for a long time. But I think that the bigger question is, and I don't think that Jerry Jones is going to be the answer to this, is which GM or which owner is going to be the one that says – this has gotten out of control. We are taking a stand. We're going to be the first, and, and, and we're going to be the reason that the wave starts to, you know, pull back out because – and it's a bad example because it's not football and they haven't won anything either. But at what point does some team go, we're going to do the Oakland A's thing and – Whoever's our closer is going to go be a closer somewhere else for a lot more money. And then we're going to take somebody else and make them the fucking closer. And then that yeah. closer is going to like, at what point, you know, every team seems to be like looking for a quarterback. And I think that if you're smart, you build a team that's ready to win in theory. And then you add the quarterback and who's on a rookie contract or as on a, on an undervalued contract and you immediately win. The funny thing about Dak is I feel like people, even Cowboys fans, Cowboys, people just have not fallen in love with Dak the way the analytics side of football has. Like, the analytics people think Dak is, uh, is borderline elite. And um, the, I, I know friends that are fans of the Cowboys that just don't think Dak is the guy. And I'm, so I'm excited to see what Dak can do with a guy that made Aaron Rodgers a Super Bowl champion. Like, as talented as – I think we can all agree Aaron Rodgers is more talented than Dak. You know, Aaron Rodgers is, you know, generational. At least at the early part of his career. I, wouldn't, I would argue that he's not now. But I'd, almost, I'd almost argue that you're going to see what Dak can do with a guy that Aaron Rodgers made a Super Bowl champion. That's fair. But, I mean, they, they, they go hand in hand. I mean, like, yeah. you know, the, 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 the Dak – I mean, McCarthy has not won a Super Bowl without Rodgers, and Rodgers has not won a Super Bowl without I, I, I almost think that, that, like, one thing that maybe is or isn't unlocked by some analytics nerd or some PFF subreddit 
whatever is like, how about judging quarterbacks based solely on when they play good teams and literally take them playing terrible teams completely out of it, whether they play good or bad against terrible teams, just remove them from that equation and be like, we're in a Super Bowl or bust league. You're going to only play, you're only going to win a Super Bowl by playing well against playoff teams. Yeah. So how do you do against teams that are good? Because I don't know who this lunatic is that's on Twitter that under every sports conversation from football to cricket posts that Carson Wentz is four and 24 against teams with, you know, winning records and like, I mean, you guys have seen this guy, right? You, you know who I'm talking about? There's just like, there's just like one tweet that this guy like cut and pastes under literally every sports argument. That's just like a Carson Wentz truth tweet that says Carson Wentz isn't good against good teams. I could argue that you could say that about Dak Prescott right now, but for setting that aside, what about just Orlovsky does by the way, (laughs) right? What about, what about just analyzing quarterback like solely on that? Like how do you play against good teams? Because that that's really all that matters. We'll worry about making the playoffs. Then I need you to be good when we get there. Yeah, I mean, Dak has been obviously been been sporadic against great teams. I mean, I look to the loss against the Packers in in Jerry World, where he played out of his mind, uh, but lost to an, I mean, incredible throw of Aaron Rodgers, a Crosby bomb, and an Aaron Rodgers elite throw to Jared Cook on the sideline. But Dak was was amazing that game. I mean, I, you know, the jury's out. But you know, Andy alluded to the fact that like the Cowboys have a lot of leverage. I think actually Dak has a lot of leverage in this situation because there's just not a lot of great quarterbacks that are young. Like it's hard to find a great quarterback. I think if, if I'm Dak's agent, my leverage is like Kirk Cousins. My leverage is Jared. I'm like, guys, what are we talking about? And that's my point. Like if, if somebody made Kirk Cousins the highest paid quarterback in football for a season, my guys, then he's gotta be like, Dak's gotta be number one. And I'd be like, and call me when you have an offer. And I think it's more of the Jared Goff deal. Look, the Rams made it to the Super Bowl, but we're, we're already – people are already viewing that as arguably one of the worst, right, all-time quarterback contracts. And wh- where is Jared Goff the next five, six years? Well, it's a, it was a bad year. I mean, it was not good. I mean, we can all agree on that. I mean, I think, you know, it, people did catch up to Sean McVay's, tech, you know, ideas. Hopefully, they're, you know, they're using this time. I still believe in Sean McVay, so I'd like to see – you know, some wrinkles in their design and see what he can do. Um, they started using the tight end a lot more uh, last year, which was like a nice piece. I mean, so, I mean, I, I think the – is he – they overpaid Goff, obviously, but I still think um, that the Goff-McVay tandem can be successful. I, I mean, I, I agree with you because I believe in McVay, and I believe – if McVay believes in Goff, then, like, what can you do? And then there's also this whole thing of, like, these deals – are terrible until five years later when there's 10 more worse deals. Yeah. Like Kirk Cousins being the highest paid quarterback, like now he's eighth or whatever. And it's like soon he'll be 15. And then we start the whole process again. It is like, uh, again, I think the thing is, is like who is going to be the guy who. Did you hear that? <laughs> no. What happened? Was that Walt? My dad's Fox News app that just the rocket ship just takes off news alert. News announcement Amy Klobuchar vetted. 
I just want I just want to see the guy who I just want to see the first guy who has the balls to say like I'm doing the rookie quarterback carousel forever. Like every every year I can get a diamond in the rough and take one year to groom him and be a playoff team year two, three. You want to see Belichick do that this year. Right. And and, and honestly, I think that I, you know, I know there's all this talk about, oh, the Patriots offered Brady this much and he had already decided, like, I truly believe that this, that this unraveling of Brady and Belichick is because Belichick wanted to do it for a long time. And Brady just kept taking Giselle deals and he was like, fuck it, fine. But, but that's, that's, I'm glad you're bringing that up. For some reason, I feel like this gets lost in the mix. We're talking about deals. Brady consistently was on a de- Like, you can almost go as far as to say the big contract with the quarterback just doesn't work. Well, Joe and I have been saying that for like two years on the show. I mean, you know, um, I don't know where you've been listening. You know, <laughs> <laughs> uh, we, should, we should rebrand it as the Ewing theory so that people can still desperately cling to that as, yeah. a, as a word phrase, but use yeah. it for fucking meaningful statement. Bryce Harper theory. But last thing, and I'll say this, and then we should move on because we have a bunch of topics and I'm, I'm running out of Paw Patrol. Um, <laughs> uh, the, 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 one of the things that's a sticking point we had this a couple of years in the NBA a few years ago when there was, there was new um, television money coming in. And so everyone was sort of waiting for that big balloon of money. And apparently the rumor is Dak is waiting for um, gambling. The, the, the gambling money is going to start entering the NFL. So they feel like in a couple of years, the salary cap is going to, to you know, explode exponentially. And so he doesn't want to get himself locked into a deal where then the money from gambling comes in and people are getting that 60 million a year contracts, et cetera. Can we, can we just, I just want to say one more thing and then we'll move on. And, and Tug, I know you're, like you said, you have a Paw Patrol time limit. So you can, you can take a glance at the rundown and we can just hit things that are like worthy of your time. And then at some point you're going to jack. Hey, just being with you. Two is uh, is worthy of my time, and me and, and not being with my children for but for. What about, you know. what about the idea of like these quarterbacks taking pride in winning and knowing that like a good roster helps? Like, what is Dak Prescott doing with forty five million dollars that he's not doing with thirty five? Look, I, this is a conversation that I think everyone, every fan in America is going to have, and I think I. As a person, you, you've been through some negotiations in your day. I have as well. Once I put myself in the position of not the um, conglomerate, like you, I, have, I have one rule. You don't take discounts from multinational conglomerates. Like you have one chance in your career or two chances in your career uh, as an independent contractor to be paid. I yeah. don't want that person. So, you know, it's funny. I used to be the same guy who was like, you know, Cowboys, I, I, you know, I, I care about the team. I've totally shifted my, my belief system into the player. I actually, I actually think that there is a balance where your, your selfishness does hurt you as a person, though, because if you sign a big deal and you don't win a Super Bowl, then people start pressing the panic button. Whereas yeah. if you sign a reasonable deal, and you just keep being a reasonable quarterback, you play forever. 
So like when, when somebody, you know, if they don't win the Super Bowl in four years and they give up on Dak and then we have a situation here where everybody's going young and Dak's suddenly 31 and blah, blah, blah. And now he's a backup and he's only getting the $1 million Jameis Winston deal as opposed to if he signs for $32 million, is he the Cowboys quarterback for life? And does he actually end up making more money that way? Very true. But, you know, we all, we all know, like, you know, Alex Smith situations could happen at any moment. And so, you know, it's really important, I think, these guys, I mean, I'm sure they all say, look, I, I don't know. I don't know when, what's going to happen. Like, you have to get yours now. And so, look, I agree. I want the Cowboys to, you know, be thrifty with their quarterback play. I mean, that's, you know, I believe in that system. But if I'm, if I'm looking at it from the Dax perspective, <laughs> you only have so many opportunities to take, you know, money for your family and your family's family. And your, you know, it's generational. So. It's a really tough, it's really tough. I mean, it's t the salary cap is a real deal, you know, and that's, that's why it's, you know, that's why kids should grow up to be baseball players. Right. Yeah. If baseball ever comes back ever. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. Very true. What else we got in the rundown? Well, I, we're talking quarterbacks and we are actually going to get to some baseball. We have to discuss, you know, more of the recent last couple hour news. The last dance documentary already has a follow up with the Tom Brady nine part documentary oh i didn't i didn't even see this oh i love this, this is breaking news can someone add breaking news uh sound for joe dad where's the fox news alert is giselle <laughs> the executive producer does tom brady have final cut are so they he does no, no tom brady's company is producing it he does prano it's a nine part documentary which will be dropped in 2021 nine parts to follow up on his nine Super Bowls. And yes, Tom Brady's production company is literally co-producing. Will there be, here's, here's my over-under, will there be more mention of the Game 7 of the 94 Knicks-Bulls series that was completely skipped over the Hubert Davis? The, the fact that basically the Bulls were a phantom foul from going to the Eastern Conference Finals, potentially going to the Finals, potentially winning the NBA Finals without Michael Jordan? or Will there be more mention of Matt Castle going 11-5 and five in Tom Brady's absence, Tom Brady coming back and going 10-6? Which will have more mentions in, the, in, their, in their documentaries? Uh, I'll say zero mention of the Game 7, so it's just a question of will 11-5 will and five Matt Castle even make an appearance? Well, well Matt Castle probably will. Will the 11-5 be mentioned? Because you'll obviously – there'll be an episode on the adversity – of that so it's whether um they mentioned that how good the team was when he was not playing um yeah but you guys are hitting on something that i you know you, you know it's been long talked about that i have a show called now we're talking that will be you know released at some point and uh are you, are you leaving are you leaving joe's now leaving he's left the room <laughs> joe joe prano's exit, exited the chat um but two things that i think are interesting that revolve around this show two it's about bad uh, back, it's about bad quarterbacks, which that hope you know are, are wishful and hopeful to take over sports media. Chris Sims and Dan Orlovsky are, are bringing that to, re to reality. Yeah. And now one of the storylines of the season two uh, that I, I tweeted out the other day and posted on Instagram at Tug Coker. Everyone you know should follow me for some great videos um, about the character trying to make a documentary about himself and funding it himself. We made that as a joke. And now it's really happening. And now it's just, this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning. Like we're going to see 
um, people make this sort of uh, hagiographical. Hey, it's ridiculous. It's, uh, it's, it's sort it's of like not- everyone's going to fund their, their own myths, basically. Yeah. So, have you considered retitling your show? Now we're talking about the future. I would love that. I would, yeah, we should yeah. definitely do that. Michael J. Fox in there. You're, you're crystal ball. You just crystal balled the entire. Really, I, no, I honestly got. I'm really happy with it because you, it, you know we 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 wrote it. We wrote it a couple years ago, and um, when the Jordan thing came out about the news, I know Andy was all over it about like you know he's has final cut and stuff, and now Tom Brady is doing it. What 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 athletes going to be like? Uh, you guys take the reins and be fair and unbalanced. Like, I, I honestly nobody. think I, I don't. Should I, I wasn't going to do this today, but I think I think now's the time to announce it. Um, I have partnered with former Knicks legend Patrick Ewing on his eleven-part documentary, The Ewing Theory, oh, no. uh, <laughs> which is uh, he has final cut on, and it's all to show that Patrick Ewing is indeed the gr- not just the greatest center in uh, basketball history, but the single greatest player. Interesting. Yes. Charles, o- Charles Oakley already hates it as much as Horace Grant hates the last dance. Uh, I, I hate this, by the way. I, I, I don't like where this is going because, again, 95% of the people don't read up. They're not educated. They're too ignorant. Like, People still out there still don't even realize that Michael Jordan's company had final cut on this. They're, they're going to do the same thing with Brady. And I hate it because as someone who has watched some maybe not most entertaining documentaries, like a Ken Burns Vietnam or Ken Burns baseball, at least it's, it's a documentary. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes you watch a documentary and you might say, Hey, it's not the most entertaining. At least you learn something like a fluff piece that their own that a player is doing on them own on their own selves. That's. I also think I also think the one really big problem I have with it is like if Tom Brady did the nine part documentary and put it out on Facebook page or put it out on TV12.com or put it out on Netflix or put it out on fucking HBO. It's one thing. I don't even know if this is a planned ESPN thing, but the idea that ESPN it is. Who's some sort they're, they're of kind of trailer? Yeah, who's some sort of like news outlet for sports is running propaganda films is insanity. Well, well, you well, this is a great point. How at this point, and I always complain about it when you look at a CNN and a Fox News and MSNBC, how it's all slanted. At this point, ESPN is the sports version of that. You're right, Prano. And, but, and, and for the same, for the very same reasons. And I actually just had a conversation about with, this. Yeah. I just had a conversation with a dirt ball about this and shout out. I actually, I kind of want to do shout him out because there's not a lot of people, even our fans sometimes, um, if they disagree with us, it's, it's not, you don't often have a conversation with somebody and they just go like, Oh, that makes a lot of sense. Thank you for like explaining that to me. Adam Temmel. AJ1545 on uh, Instagram, he, he sent me this whole thing about like slanted media and how the mainstream media is biased. And I explained to him that having worked at, you know, the evening news with Dan Rather, like having an inside look at like how network news approaches taking an angle on a story, it, it was essentially like the entire network of CBS is built around making money so that the news 
portion of the building can operate at a loss and tell the truth. And CNN and NBC, MSNBC and Fox News and these 24-hour news networks, they don't have something that's paying the bills. They have to pay the bills with news. So they have to get, they have to have salacious stories yeah. so that people watch it. CNN was like, we can make money by being the only 24 hours news network. And then Fox came and was like, we're going to be a 24 hour news network, but we're going to cater to the right. And then they steal CNN's audience. And then CNN goes, well, we have to be the left then. It's the only way for us to hold on to our audience is to say, okay, we're going to keep the people who didn't go to Fox News and give them whatever. So the idea that ESPN is doing this, they're sort of doing it in the era of sports news where they're kind of the CNN, early days CNN. I know there's Fox Sports 1 and all that stuff now, but like, I know ESPN has their money troubles and that's why guys like Dan Orlovsky get, you know, 40 bucks an hour to talk about quarterback play while like Dan Marino does isotoner glove fucking ads, but like they're having their own money issues. But the idea that they're just like taking propaganda films and being like, whatever, it's kind of ridiculous. No, it is. And, and, and they won't stop hyping it up. By the way, Tug, Marino with, multiple digs at Dan Orlovsky this episode. Well, and, and also I want to do this on Dan Orlovsky. Like I'm sure, as I always say, Dan Orlovsky is probably better at playing quarterback than I am at anything in life. He became a professional NFL quarterback. It's a very hard thing to do. He probably put in way more work at it than I have ever put into anything. And he made it very far and good for him. But I just hate the idea. Like, if I don't, if I wash out in comedy as being like an also ran with like a couple of super embarrassing clips that they show on comedy blooper shows for eternity, I would like to think that I won't get into the comedy critic game. Like, it's kind of like, I like, great for Dan, I'm sure he's awesome at quarterback, but like the idea that he, like, first of all, I hate most of his takes, but then also I'm like, you're the fucking out of the back of the end zone guy. Yeah. So now I doubly hate it. <laughs> well, I also want to say, like, you, you mentioned the isotonic glove as the TC Minute guy. Like, Marino's had many chances to be a commentator. We've all seen a few bloopers from old Danny Boy. And, uh, you know, it's, you know being, being elite at quarterback does not equate to being a great commentator or a critic about sports, but there is, a, there is, there is like, a middle ground. Sure. But, like, um, for example, like, why isn't – if if everybody's so desperate to give, you know, there's talk of like Orlovsky getting Monday Night Football or like what, like Steve, why isn't Steve Young in the booth? Like why is Steve Young minimalized to like five minutes before and after games? If we're so desperate to have like some talking head quarterback. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're, to get back to your central point, I think you make a very good point. You're like, you know, one of, I think I have some friends at ESPN like, there's been this discussion about what they are, you know what I mean? Are we, are we journalists? Cause you see outside the lines being relegated to basically they're outside, outside the lines is basically seen as they're like, yeah, they're, they're, they're 60 minutes. Yeah. And now it's like on Saturday morning, if at all, it's like a digital piece. It's, it's, it's Sunday morning with Charles Osgood. Yeah. Yeah. And then you see like, you know, it, it really all started a few years ago when they, you remember they made that show playmakers. Yeah. And they and they and then the NFL did not like it, so they pulled it. And like people started like, basically they became 
fearful of losing being out, out uh, you know outside of the good graces of the people that have the keys to live sports. The only way to do that is to cater to them. Like yeah. we want to we want to do NBA deals with you. You want to do a you know a, a promotional ad for the NBA? Let's do a Jordan doc. You know, so it's very it's it, it is. I mean, I always say Tony Kornheiser says this quote all the time on PTI. Like the answer to all your questions is money. So this is no different. Uh, it's crazy. It's crazy to me. I'm not, now I'm almost excited to see who else is going to come up with this. And like, you know, the structure, nine parts, 10 parts, sort of th- like nine parts because he's in Super Bowls nine times. Or, uh, you know, there's a lot of criticisms on the last dance sort of structure. I don't know if we need nine episodes on, on anything really. Um, but, but that's my point. Like, and obviously I'm, I'm a Brady guy and I've been vocal about that, but what am I watching that's nine episodes? I, I just, as a guy who's watched a lot on the Patriots and the NFL Network has done a great job with some behind the scenes stuff, with game film, with Belichick, with Brady. That's my thing is like. I think they're going to, I think they're going to do it. I think they're going to take the Michael Jordan last dance and they're going to do a paint by numbers. He's super competitive. He comes over to the sideline. He yells at his offensive coordinator and it's just passion and he's taking less money because he wants to win and his relationship with Belichick and this trainer and blah, blah, like, and it's going to be such a jerk off piece that like. I heard the behind the scenes footage is him making out with his son and his dog at the same time. Well, I mean, that, that's the big, like, Whoa, did you see that? Like, but the thing is, if you watch the last dance, like there were so many cringeworthy Jordan moments. Like I have a feeling that shit will all be in there and Tom Brady will be like, yeah, I kissed my fucking son on the mouth. So what? Like yeah. Jordan was like, like spitting on his pizzas. <laughs> well, it's funny. The two things I'll say about it and then, you know, let's see what else we got on the, the, the hamper is like Tom Brady. First of all, he's, his, the, the story's still being written for Tom Brady. So, you know, yeah. Jordan, Jordan has a couple things going for him in the last dance where He's been gone for 18, 20 years. Like, there's a sense of nostalgia. Tom Brady, yeah. two days ago, post, sent out a release about having immunity pills for, you know, to boost your immunity during a pandemic. Like, I don't want to, like, say he's a snake oil salesman, but it is interesting timing to, you know, be releasing this thing. Um, so, you know, I, I'm a Tom Brady fan as well. I wish he was, you know, bought a championship to Michigan. But, you know, he's... He's, I guess I'm interested to see like the complexity of the person because he is sort of a cap- capitalistic, you know, beliefs with this TV 12 thing. Um, more so screen, another more screen time, more screen time for Tom Brady's bastard son uh, with the first chick or, oh, wow. or, or Michael or Michael Jordan's sons who made an appearance for 11 seconds in his 10 part documentary to say that his, parents confined them to a basement while his father was playing in the NBA finals. I was surprised by that. That was very surprising. Um, and then it, the, the, the last thing I'll say is, you know, in that vein, people are willing to overlook a lot of things that happened to the Jordan doc because they're watching it in a pandemic where all, everyone just wanted some comfort food, you know, yeah. and it, and when the, when the Brady things come out and like everyone's living their lives again and sort of has some sort of different points different things going on where they don't need to be just sort of like held, closely with a blanket but we look at these things differently i think i i think it'll just be close to the massive success that the jordan thing was because it's the same dichotomy there's 
just as there's Jordan stands and Jordan, you know, truthers, there's Brady stands and Brady truthers. Like, I don't think, you know, if you did a documentary on Joe Montana, it's not so, it's not as polarized. If you did a, yeah. if you did a Barry Sanders 10 part documentary, everybody's like, Barry's, like there's five guys who are like, but Emmett Smith. And you're like, go to your room. You know, like there's, like Brady has that same thing that Jordan has, which like a lot of people just like won't hear otherwise that he's the goat. Sure. I, I want to see Tom Brady. I mean, I, as, I, as I said, uh, the, 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 the interesting documentary to me is actually the TB12, the, the stuff that went on behind the scenes with Belichick, the, the trainer. That, that to me is really interesting. And That's that'll something be- I would 100% want to watch. Not, not, yeah, not, not, or not Final Cut by Tom Brady. Right, exactly. That, that to me is really interesting. They'll get the four minutes that the Jordan rules got. Yeah, and I think um, the other thing is I think Tom Brady, he's popular, but like Jordan, Jordan was like another level of popularity. Oh, it doesn't compare. <laughs> it doesn't compare at all. I want to discuss this new NFL potential rule change for the kickoff, which I love. For me. Have you, have you guys seen this? Have you seen this? I have not, but I know that they've they've mishandled the kickoff so many times that I just can't wait to hear what they came up with next. This is a crazy one, which they stole from the American Alliance Football League, which, by the way, is so funny to me. NFL always has to steal stuff from the XFL, from the you know the American Football League, all, all these generic leagues somehow get this right, but the NFL doesn't. So they're reviewing a possible rule change there to the kickoff. Instead of onside kicks – a team would be allowed a chance to maintain possession by going for it on fourth and 15 from their own 25 yard line. I'm, I'm double thumbs up in that. I don't even understand. Say that again. So let's say you score a touchdown, right? Instead of doing an onside kick, you could possibly get the ball at your own 25 and it's fourth and 15. That's, I, I feel like, yeah, I'm all for it. And I also think that has like a way higher success rate than onside kicks. It's got to have a way higher success rate. And to me, it makes the game that much more interesting because if you don't get it, they, I mean, they're already, they already have a field goal. Well, that, that, that makes the question to me, then why haven't they like, it sounds like they want to be, they want to give people more opportunities, uh, be more aggressive. But, but college football's overtime is still better than the NFL. Yeah, I, like, I agree. Why are we just giving people as many shots to score as possible? Um, so, I mean, it's a great – I, I mean, I like the play. I like the call. But the overtime thing should be changed too. Let's just, let's just do an overhaul while we have the time. Yeah. So, are we all three in favor of this new yeah. possible rule? Yeah, fuck it, because onside kicks are so ludicrously impossible to – like, what they should do is, like, have some sort of – you know, uh, if they wanted to keep some sort of kickoff is like have a, have a different, like when it's a blatantly onside situation, the same way as now, like you, you're either going for two or you're not going for two. Remember like in the good old days, you were going from two from the same place you were kicking. So you could like fake a kick and go for two. Sure. But if you're going from a blatant onside kick situation, like make it a little bit like make it somehow fair, but like, yeah, fuck it. Let's go with this instead. I'm, yeah. I'm all for it. I say get even wackier, you know? Yeah, I'm all for it. I'm all for just some sort of wrinkle and something to make the game more interesting. And uh, I, I want to talk some baseball, but before I do that, guys, I want to say it's been a pleasure 
that were in three different spots, Venice Beach, Santa Monica, and Cincinnati, all with our friends at Miller Lite. Just bringing the three of us together. I love that. <laughs> Absolutely love it. And, and that's what's been happening during this whole last few months, right? We've all been brought together. And I know Joe in particular, he's had a lot of help with the home delivery. He doesn't even have to leave Venice. He gets the Miller Lights just delivered right to his front door. Yeah, it's, it's incredible. There are so many services, um, you know, because of rules. We won't name any names, but like just put in alcohol delivery. You put in your ID to show that you're 21 because honestly, if you're not 21, you shouldn't be drinking Miller Lite. And uh, they'll bring it to your door. I had 18 bottles. I like, I like the bottle. I had 18 bottles of Miller Lite delivered yesterday. And it's just when, it, when somebody hands you a case of beer, that's your first holding it of the day. And, and within one and a half minutes, it is loaded into your fridge, all stacked, labels facing forward. It's a good feeling. It almost makes, you know, being at home worth it. It really does. So Dirt Balls and everyone listening, don't forget, Miller Lite, the original light beer, while you're home, enjoy a classic. Available for delivery today, celebrate responsibly, Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 96 calories and 3.2 carbs per 12 ounces. And I might as well just say it. It's a little earlier for you guys, but this is basically the dirty sports version of a Miller Lite happy hour. Uh, I'm, it makes me so happy. Listen, I'm, I, I'm, I'm very excited to have a, a, a cold Miller Lite in the early afternoon in California. And especially... It goes great with Paw Patrol, doesn't it, Tug? Yeah, I got one Paw Patrol left, and I'm enjoying my cold beer with it. Well, hey, before, before you transition ahead. to baseball, can I, can I throw – I want to keep it very brief, but I just want to, like, go around and get a take because we're now in the Twitter era where, like, every quote in sports becomes a tweet, becomes a conversation. Like, everything is the same. So, whatever. We may as well dive into it. What do you guys think about Doc Rivers' comments about LeBron James being a great NFL player, an all-timer, if he had gone the route of football? Yes. I, I agree. Yeah, I agree as well. I think he's – look, if Tony Gonzalez, who played a Cal and was a Hall of Famer, LeBron's got to be the greatest of all time. I think we, should, I think we actually should give him a, a, a gold jacket this year. <laughs> yeah. He should be a Hall of Famer. Antonio Gates, he played at Kent State. Yeah. I mean, I, I said that about, you know, uh, Tony Gonzalez and Antonio Gates. And it's, but, like, guys like that, Antonio Gates, for example, I mean, he played football in high school. And Tony Gonzalez was a two-sport star in college. But, like, Antonio Gates didn't play college. Jimmy Graham. What's that? Jimmy Graham. Yeah, yeah like, they're, the, the tight end position is full of guys that were like, you play basketball? You want to go to the Hall of Fame? Like, <laughs> well, yeah. look, I know we're going to get to baseball, but we might as well just divert this conversation a little to LeBron. And because I have been getting a little frustrated. I've been getting frustrated, obviously, with the last uh, dance. connection's getting janky. My yeah. connection is? <laughs> I'm just kidding. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think it, you know, because you keep seeing it. And obviously he's a troll, but you saw it from Paul Pierce this week. Doesn't have LeBron in his top five all time. 
I've seen it from guys like Jalen Rose. I, I just want to say this. Wait, Jalen Rose also says he's not in the top five? Am I correct on that, Prano? No, 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 no. Jalen Rose was Jalen Rose was doing blinking guy through the entire Paul. But I think Jalen Rose might have had LeBron at fifth. Okay. So my point is this: these guys who don't want to put LeBron in their top three, I'm sick of this shit. I'm just I'm just plain sick of it. I don't know if it's a combination of clickbait trolling. It's just. You should not be an analyst. I have renamed Paul Pierce. Paul Pierce is not the truth anymore. He's the liar. Like, <laughs> he, he doesn't believe it for one fucking second. And that's the, that's the part of it that sucks. But It's like, why are we putting guys on TV? Like, it almost feels like they were like, hey, Paul Pierce, do you want to come in and say some dumb shit about LeBron James so we have three days' worth of things to talk about? But it's not just these guys. Charles Barkley had LeBron. We're talking about prominent guys who are on TV, a lot of guys who I genuinely like and respect. I'm just – I'm sick and tired of this fucking discussion. Like, I'm getting angry now. I I I perpetuate the discussion. You You guys are a part of this discussion. You're sick of the discussion that you guys keep putting out there. Well, I, I there's absolutely like I, you know, I take a different stance from Andy on this. Like, I think that this is a discussion that's like fun and ongoing and whatever. But there's all like to me the problem is there. If you look at LeBron stands, if you look at LeBron as the goat things, everybody's like LeBron, Michael, you know, Kareem, Bill Russell, like. Every LeBron fans list is like identical. And every Jordan's stands list is like Jordan. And then like, let's pick nine guys. And then, we'll have- yeah. And it's like, why is it that everybody that has any sort of sense of basketball and like truth in them can say exactly that like these guys are one, two, and this is a conversation, except the people who are like, Jordan defenders always want to dismiss. Like, you get Sam Tripoli, who's like, oh, LeBron's 10th. And you're like, when you say that, you discredit yourself. Yeah. We'll look tough. I, I, again, again, I am fighting every day to, <laughs> I, I, I am, I am fighting every day to share what I believe is the truth with the world. <laughs> LeBron James has passed Michael Jordan as the greatest basketball player of all time. I am also, I've engaged so many people who have said, I disagree. I think Michael Jordan is best. And I'm like, here, let's have a conversation about it. Once you take LeBron James and you put him below, like Tim Duncan or Kobe Bryant or Chet or whatever, like I go, well, you're not living in reality and I will not entertain you. And honestly, Paul Pierce is straight up just lying he's a liar he doesn't believe that there's a lot of animosity between that Celtics team you even see now Kevin Garnett kind of openly talking about the cool relationship that ha- that exists between some of those Cavalier teams LeBron and those Celtics uh teams you know I I, I agree with you guys I mean I think Paul is you know tr- trolling and I think you guys um can detect high-level trolling with the best of them. Um, <laughs> a couple of winks on there for the podcasters, uh, the audio listeners. But, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, I happen to agree. I, LeBron is 
one or two. I mean, and, and, and that's all. And, I, and I'm so glad that this is being said. And I'm glad that Prano made that point because it's so true. If you have Jordan one, it doesn't bother me. It really doesn't. It never has. But he's so. It keeps active. me awake at night and I will find you. And <laughs> well, I will convince you otherwise. Well, but but please continue. But you're so accurate in saying every person who has LeBron at one has Jordan at two. But the people who have Jordan, like, it's just, I know I don't shut up. And by the way, fuck it, put Kareem one and Jordan two and LeBron two. Like, you know, Kareem's, like, getting lost in this mix. And, like, have Bill Russell one if, like, championships is your thing or whatever. But when you're, when you're, like, I love Magic Johnson. I think Magic Johnson is awesome. Before LeBron James came around, I was like a Magic Johnson truther. I didn't think Magic Johnson was a goat, but I was like, he's kind of getting the, uh, the shaft that we don't even consider it. And I love Larry Bird, and I love Tim Duncan. And I think Tim Duncan might be a top five player of all time. But when you – and, I mean, I think we all know I'm a Kobe Bryant truther. But when you – they can be incredible. And I can have the most respect in the world ever for Magic Johnson. But if you put LeBron James below him, you're an asshole and a liar. Yeah. No, I agree. And I, I just like. Or a Laker fan, you know. Let, let, me, let me ask you guys this. Uh, because you guys are obviously on the, the LeBron train, which is completely fine. But uh, I mean, I, look, I, I did it to Ruther. Like, I had to convert it, you know. Yeah, you convert it. Now, now, he's, a, now he's a goddamn LeBron bot. Oh, hold no. on a second. <laughs> I, I know Joe wants to take all this credit. Let's also. I mean, he was, on the, he was on the Kobe. I but, Joe, yeah, hold on a second. Let's, let's give the man himself credit. I mean, we, we've been doing this show since 2014. I had, you know, I've had now five and a half more years of evidence by LeBron himself. Right. And, again, I consider myself someone who evolves his opinion on politics, sports, dating, whatever. Like, like I've evolved. Like, that's and, and- and I appreciate that from you. And look, I'm no, I understand that LeBron has won a lot of people over by winning more championships and upsetting that. But like, my my point was always, he was the goat before all that because he's the greatest basketball player to ever live. Like, yeah, the the uh, comp, like if he dies in a fucking plane crash, he was still the best basketball player ever. You know, somewhere in the the, the two titles range. You know what I mean? Like. The like the idea that I, I understand that people that legacy and like accomplishments and the resume are things that like people all consider, but I, you know, when I say I convert you, LeBron and I converted you in realizing that if you're the best passer, the most well, humility you'll ever get on Joe. It's like I can't take all the credit. Yeah, LeBron, <laughs> converting you, LeBron has something well, to do with it. LeBron also, <laughs> LeBron also went to like eight more finals so that Andy could watch the guy who was already the best passer of all time and the great will score the most points ever. And you know what we need to do? We need and to do like championships and came into the league at eighteen. And let me uh, hold on real quick. I have a sketch idea that I'll just say to both you guys: LeBron James conversion therapy, like. <laughs> you know, like like they used to do, like 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 a fucking uh, what you gonna call it, uh, Bilbo's movie, like a Clockwork Orange, where you like yeah. pin their eyes open and make them watch their eyes. the finals. <laughs> well, Sorry, let me Tom, ask you this. This is, this is a question. That, I mean, and then we'll move on to the baseball stuff. But the Last Dance, you guys watched it all. It was you know great comfort food, very entertaining. Sure. They also showed a lot of you know games. LeBron, even last night they showed the ninety eight game six. 
know if you guys watched those, but do, do, do you come away with more appreciation about Michael? Like, what are your thoughts? Like, how do you think about Michael now? I mean, obviously, you're never going to change your opinion on LeBron, but do you think about Michael in a different way? I, I, like, you know, it's a, it's a sad truth about, like, Joe Prano as a person forever, but, like, I fucking spent way too much of my life in a time where people weren't doing this every day on social media, like engaging in like junior lounge couch conversations about the great, like I went, like I knew there's almost nothing from the uh, documentary that I learned about Michael Jordan that I didn't already know being some sort of psychotic nineties NBA fan other than, and I knew he blamed the pizza. I only found out during this documentary that he believed that he was poisoned. Other than that, I knew he thought he got food poisoning from the pizza. But the idea that five guys showed up to like make sure the king ate the dirty pizza we gave him. The one thing I'll say, oh, Andy, what do you think? I mean, do you think about Jordan differently? Uh, he's now turned into almost a character for me. Now, there obviously for years has been things that he's a jerk, he's an asshole. I read the Jordan rules when I was like 12. Exactly. So I know I've got cover to cover under a tree in like an afternoon. Like, you know, I'm like, mom, I'm going outside. I'll be back when I know. Yeah. Like, like you know, I was like, oh, oh, there's a book about the greatest basketball player of all time and what he's like in, like, I was like, see in six hours. Yeah. You You read it and you'll be like, There'll be somebody better. <laughs> I read it. I'm like, this guy's, this guy's a real asshole, but he sure is good at basketball. Like, to me, he's now almost turned into a, a, a character, like a, like a kid's book, like a tall tale, because it's so ridiculous, the stuff he's done, whether it's true or not. Jordan, to me, went from, like, this icon, and he still is. It did make me appreciate it more. But now it's, it, it's, it's ventured into comedy for me. Like, I've just even noticed it with my brother. We text each other all the time of, like, oh, how would Jordan handle this situation? Do you know what I'm saying? Because yeah. more and more stories keep leaking. And when you hear things like him making up that the guy said good game and he used that as fuel, and then you hear the pizza thing, people are so quick to forget just last week's episode, him admitting that he's a blatant liar. So – you know, you take things with him with a grain of salt. So for me, my biggest takeaway was those teams and how much I loved watching those teams, how much they came together, how much the dynamic of different personalities. Uh, I'm actually going to get Phil Jackson. What, what, what was his one book? Uh, he wrote 95. Mir, you were talking about the other day, Todd. Sacred Hoops. Sacred Hoops. Yeah. I, I want to get that. I want to get some other things. That was my big takeaway of like, these guys came together as a team, and that's what I loved. Yeah. And they made it work, and they won three titles, and I think that's great. I watched two games um, during the course of the, lo- the last dance. One was the 98 All-Star game. I think I told Andy about this uh, in New York, um, where, where Michael was like 34, 35 at the time. He wins MVP. Garnett is in the game. Kobe's in the game. You know, you still see as athleticism playing against what we consider to be modern-day players. Like, 
that showed that really showed me something because you just hear over over whether, whether it's from you know Barry loves the troops or whoever that he was guarded by you know postmen but you know he, he does he does show like his ability to be athletic against athletic you know defenders the other thing I'll say is everyone talked about how much like his leadership in the documentary where he was a yeller he was you know negative or whatever but I did watch the 98 game six last night in Utah. And there, he just plays with such calm. Like he's like, he's not yelling during the games. That to me is very, is interesting. I mean, and whether that's him just sort of cultivating his own image for years and years and years, but during the games, like he just seems awesome. Like, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, that, that was the thing about Jordan for me as a Knicks fan that was like always so nauseating and so off-putting was like he regularly and like people can go back and look this like he regularly had the Kobe Bryant Carmelo Anthony style high volume low percentage you know games especially in the playoffs especially in like big games against those Knicks teams like and and it was like you never thought you won because you were holding him to like nine for 28 because in the end he's gonna go 10 for 29 and it's gonna be a dagger he just played with a calm of like it didn't matter if he was going off or if he was taking a dump because in the end he's like just keep it close i'm a killer yeah. and that was the thing that's like why michael jordan was the greatest of all time and that is what i say to people like andy who are like you know new converts was like we we now have – but, like, no, in fairness, like, now we have those LeBron games in the last, like, in the return to Cleveland, like, the I'm going to take over, I'm going to hit the big shot, give it to me for the last second. Like, he now has that, like, watch out. It doesn't matter how this game's gone. He's going to turn it on for the last eight minutes. And that's something that maybe he grew into having that aspect of Michael Jordan, and you could say that, like, yeah, it's hard to cultivate that when your entire career before that, you're like, I'm going to make the best basketball play I can possibly make in every single situation. And I don't know if he did that in response to the people who said he wasn't that guy. But that was something that, like, always bothered me about Michael Jordan. I'm like, this guy doesn't give a fuck that he's shooting 33%. And you know what? He's, it's going to murder me. He's going to make me go to my room and cry. Yeah. And I was right the majority of the time. You were, and like like last night, uh, they they because they they used the documentary footage for the game for this for the on ESPN last night to show in, in, in HD, and so they they had this really cool insight where you they go inside the huddle, you know, during timeouts and stuff, and Michael hit that big shot where you know, pushed off by a wrestle or not, but it's a big shot, five seconds to go up one, and he's just sitting there rubbing the towel on his head. They, uh, Phil says, "Do we want to do a delay a game?" And Michael says, like, now nah, they're expecting a delay game. He just kind of laughs. It's like he's just so present. It's not like the moment is, was never too big for him. By the way, that was, that was something that, uh, that they touched on in the documentary ever so slightly. But it is, for anybody who's like a basketball, like, nut, um, this is a Phil Jackson. This is, like, one of Phil Jackson's, like, secret bag of tricks is late in the game when you need one shot. He's not taking the timeout because he's like, I'll take Michael, 
or Kobe or Shaq with them not having a plan. Yeah. 100% of the time. And it's worked a lot. And it's like one of the great, like, Zen, like, coaching magic of Phil Jackson. He's like, don't overthink it. Like you have the you have the best player in the world, or you have the best player on the court, or you have a guy who's not afraid to take that shot. Why am I gonna have every like? Why why am I gonna make everybody think about it? You know the biggest difference to me, and I and I actually was saving this for the podcast because I didn't even want to tweet it because it was too long winded. If you take LeBron versus Michael in their careers, and it's the smallest microcosm, but to me, this is the difference in their careers. Steve Kerr hits that game-winning shot. George Hill misses the free throw after LeBron has an amazing 50-point game against the Warriors, and J.R. Smith forgets the time. Did you see my point? Like to me, that Kyrie, Kyrie also hit a big shot. I mean, like that's no, not no, like no, no, no. He he did. But my point is, like, I just compare those two. Of, like, we have the one Kyrie shot. We 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 have we have. Ray Allen? Wait, Ray Allen? I don't know. Look, 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 look. First of all, all, the Kyrie shot, the game's tied. If if he doesn't make it, they go to overtime, whatever. Like, you know what I mean? Like, or they're up one even, right? Like, that was like, that was like, that was like the dagger play. But the Ray Allen shot's like a kooky, like literally life-saving shot. Like, no, it is. This is not whether or not. Michael passes to Kerr or LeBron, but like we have multiple, we have multiple LeBron career situations. He finds yeah. Donald Marshall in the corner. He finds Kyle Korver wide open. George Hill it. Yeah, absolutely. But the, the the worst thing is like not that they went in or that they didn't, but like the Paxson shot, the Paxson game against the Lakers, the Kerr shot is like people act like because they went in, it was a good decision for Michael to give it up. But if they didn't go in, then like then LeBron's, like, shrunk in the moment. That's, I think, the thing that, that often gets, like, tossed at LeBron is, like, he wants to give it up. But if Michael yeah. gives it up to Horace Grant under the basket and then Horace Grant finds Paxson on the outside for the game winner, now it's this incredible fucking yeah. triangle of beauty. But my other favorite pass from Jordan is actually in the double nickel game in New York where he makes a nice pass underneath. I mean, a, you know, a huge game and wins it with yeah. a great pass. That's, yeah. that's a, you know, great play. but. Uh, anyway, I mean, it's just – I told this to Andy, and then one thing I love about Jordan, he just, he's just beautiful to watch. Like, aesthetically, just, like, moves with grace. Yeah. And that's fun to watch. Uh, you know, that's, that's a, that was, like, a pleasure to kind of revisit. Um, you just have that image in your head instead, so. Anyway. No, he, he was, and, and he's, he's more, like you said, the, the beautiful, graceful person. And I'd argue that's not LeBron. And LeBron's not the graceful. He's the dude who is – he's making amazing plays, but I just think even by his build and by his look, everything aesthetically about Jordan is just it, – it, it's, it's a pleasure to watch, if that makes yeah. sense. Anyway. Every, I, everything except his baseball swing, which was horrific. Okay. <laughs> great, great segue, Joe, because we got to talk some baseball. And we'll wrap it up with a little baseball discussion. Because I know Tug has uh, – Kids to get back to. It's true. Hey, sit down. Sit, sit down. <laughs> By the way, have you guys seen it all? So a couple times Walt would go to this corner and he'd be like peering over. I was sitting sit 
I said, sit down. <laughs> I was so close to just doing that to him, just to mess with him. Because he's a, he's a lurker. My dad's in the basement now, but I've noticed he just, he's always lurking everywhere. And he's always lurking in the yard. And the classic Walt move, he's going to hear me. He, 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 like, hunts like a wolf. He's the wolf of Walt Street. He really is. Right. Baseball. What are our takes right now? We, we have a few things to cover. Do we actually think it's going to happen? The proposed new rules, basically it's millionaires versus billionaires. It's now turned into more of an economic thing. Give me your guys' takes. Uh, what are the potential rule changes? Well, first of all, as far as the getting – call me when it's – call me when we've got baseball games scheduled. I'll leave it at that. Like, we're going to play in Florida. We're going to play in Arizona. We're just going to play in Arizona. We're going to play in Arizona, Florida. We're going to have regional th- – like, there's been so many things floated – Baseball is doing the exact opposite of the NFL of like trying to like control their pandemic narrative. They're like, how, uh, no one's talking about baseball. Like, I don't know, leak some dumb shit we're thinking about doing. That's like, we're going to change in three days. Call me when baseball games are scheduled. Now when baseball games are scheduled, what are they, what are these potential rule changes? They're pretty bad. And it's a long list, but I want to get through them. High fives, fist bumps, and hugs would be prohibited under the plan, as would spitting, tobacco use, and chewing sunflower seeds. Fielders would, in quotes, be encouraged to retreat several steps away from the base runner between pitches. First and third base coaches are not to approach base runners or umpires, and players should not socialize with opponents. Continuing, it gets even worse. A ball will be thrown away after it is touched by multiple players and throwing. You mean the ball like the pitcher and the catcher? Yes. And throwing the ball around the infield will be discouraged. Are those guys? But like seriously, are the pitchers and the catchers rooming together? Are do they get fucking testing between pit? Like every play, two players touch the ball. Players. I'm sorry, pitchers would have their own set of balls to throw during bullpen sessions. Oh, they'll have their own set of balls, all right. And person and personnel who rub baseballs with mud for the umpires must use gloves. This is ridiculous. Players would also be discouraged from showering at stadiums after games and would not be allowed to take taxis or use ride-sharing apps. Guys, this is not sport. If we're going to play a sport, just – Play the damn sport or don't play the sport. Just say, don't, you know, just say try not to do this and this. Like, first of all, no two players have touched bare hands in Major League Baseball since, like, you know, Roberto Clemente died. You, these guys have gloves that they wear on the base pass, and then they put different gloves on when they get to second, and they were bad. Like, who's t- – like, I haven't seen a bare hand high five since, like, the fucking We Are Family Pirates. Like – just, just say try not to do this shit, and then just play ball. Korean baseball is fucking fun. do whatever Korea's doing. I, I just again, which by the way, what Korea is doing is also banning spitting because if you spit in Korea, you get thrown into a cell for the next forty-five years of your life. But baseball player or not, I thought that was Singapore. But anyway, it's all the Asian countries. <laughs> On that so, note, I gotta get out of here. <laughs> Yeah, Doug's like, hey. Doug's like, can you be canceled for being below two people having a Zoom conversation? How do I leave this meeting? (laughs) I was muted. I was (laughs) muted. What do you think, Coker? What do you think on this? You know, I I, I said this the other day. I mean, we all love sports. 
maybe more than the average American. Uh, we need sports, but like at a certain point, I feel like are we working too hard to, to rush sports back? Like the sports that have to be manufactured to come back. Are we, are we just working too hard? Um, like there's certain sort of sports that make sense. I mean, you, you guys aren't big golf fans, but like golf feels like an absolute no brainer. Yeah. So let's just, let's just do that. But like when you're trying to, uh, baseball has two things going on with the things, the list that you mentioned, but there are all, also the economics have creeped out into the public and now are a big deal. You know, and these guys don't want to play. They don't want to. They don't want to basically get into a contract that's going to hurt them down the road. You know, they don't want to sign on to something that that's going to be used against them. I just I don't understand why every single sport isn't treating coronavirus like the NFL treats CTE. Like, look, it happens, and it's probably going to kill you. But like, what else are you going to do? Be a fucking investment banker? I don't think so. Ray Rice, you know, like, I mean, it's a fair point. I mean, it really is. I mean, it's like, you know, you, you, make, you make a good point about football. It's like, this is, football's dangerous, you know? So you sign a waiver, I guess. And, and, and by the way, if Mike Trout or Blake Snell or whoever doesn't want it, like, I'm sure it would be very easily, uh, like, you'd be sued so fast by the MLB players association if you didn't want to pay them for not playing. So if they don't want to play, don't play. There is a guy who will take your spot. You won't have to go like, you won't have to go that far. They just took away like two squads of minor leaguers from like every, like those guys are, are ready and willing to take your job. Fuck. I'll take your job. I just, I, I look at where we're at now. You know, I'll play Major League Baseball naked and lick the baseball after every pitch. Like, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of, mental, a lot of mental images going on here. Yeah. You're like, why is he naked? You're like, what does this have to do with that? It's like, we just asked him if he would, and he fucking agreed. I just think right now it's May 21st. Their goal when they leaked this plan, which is now over a week ago, was spring training by mid-June start a season first week of July. I just don't see that happening. Do you guys? I just, I just don't. I feel like baseball is doing – baseball is, is Dak Prescott's agents. They're just, like, leaking things to see how people react. That's interesting. I mean, baseball has an advantage. I mean, you know, we're, none of us are, you know, virologists. But there, there seems to be a real relationship to – playing sports outside so baseball does have that advantage for being outside for most of the places you know i think there's there's just too many stipulate i mean the 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 stipulations that you talked about like they just sound crazy they just sound like it's hand it just makes it sound like working too hard to make this happen like that's you know well Tug, you bring up a great point the economics and i'll kind of segue that into what i read today on the espn piece on college football because it's the same thing it's economic based so basically, they're saying at this point, if college football doesn't happen, $4 billion lost. But the bigger problem for college football is that it funds everything else for every athletic program and also other stuff for the university. So now college football, in a way, kind of what Major League Baseball is kind of faced with the economic issue of, if we don't do this, the long-term ramifications, which we're already seeing in college sports, like – Obviously, it's not, it's, it's not a big-time program, but 
Bowling Green cut their baseball program forever. Yeah. And obviously it's a max school. It's still division one. They produced guys like Roger McDowell, Earl Hershiser. And I know those guys are, you know, from the eighties, but you know, they still produce some players. Like what was this? Bowling Green. They cut their baseball program forever. And again, if you're like, wow, Earl Hershiser went there, like that's pretty crazy to think. And they said it's because of Corona and they'll save 500,000. That's all they're going to save is $500,000 a year. But the economic situation is that dire that they have to do that. My point is on any of these sports, whether it's professional or collegiate, like you're saying, Tug, they're going to these lengths because now it's turned into a money issue, which to me is kind of symbolic of what's probably going to happen with our country in itself, right? Health at some point is going to kind of have to be, you're going to have to take a chance, right? Because everything else is just going to collapse economically. Yeah, I mean, I, there's a report out there that the NFL actually does okay with no fans because they make, like, so much money off TV, whereas college football really makes – it's like, it's like inversed. Uh, yeah, you're right. All the money from the stands and attendance and things like that. So, I mean, there's a little bit of a runway for football to figure it out. There's a lot of people involved. I mean, that's a thing. Like, the proximity of the – college football players, there's like 100 players on a college football team, you know. Um, it's 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 gonna be. I have no idea what the answer is. You know, we're all just guessing. Um, well, and that, you know, and I I'll be brief because nothing sets me off like pretending major college sports have anything to do with universities. But um, there's there's also this. If people don't go back to school, but then we're trying to find a way for college football to work. It's like just that much more absurd. Well, so that's, like, a, that's a good point. Also, like, I mean, there's, there are college students that listen to your show who are listening to the show right now, you know, thinking like, you know, I'm paying a full tuition to, to take classes online. Yeah. You know, there, there's going to be, there's, there's already class action lawsuits happening. Like, yeah. So there, there's, there's so many bigger fish to fry for the, for the colleges. They, really, they got to make money, but they're going to, having no students paying full tuition for no room and board. Like there's just so many problems for the 2021 semester uh, for colleges. But to bring it back to baseball and even maybe you could say the same with the NBA, cause I'm actually not worried about the NFL. Cause I feel like they're going to do a season no matter what, at what point do the economics, you know, at what point do the owners or the GMs sit down with the players or the players associations and straight up say, guys, if we don't finish this season, it's not just going to affect you now. Like, you know what I'm saying? Especially baseball, because baseball has played no games. At what point do they say to the players, guys, this is really going to affect your salaries in 2021, 2022, and beyond? I think at a certain point, that discussion has to happen because players will say, I'm concerned about my health now. But at what point do you, is it a risk reward thing with, your financial return in the future. Well, I think it's got to be treated like everybody else's job. You know what I mean? People are furloughed and people are unemployed and people are whatever. But if you were a bartender, you know, and your restaurant's closed, they can't be like, hey, come back and work for half price because, you know, we were paying you unemployment before or whatever. It's like, if, if you bring me back to work, pay me my money. And yeah. if they want to not 
if they want to fight with their players' unions over not paying them for this year because X amount of games gets canceled or whatever, that's something that the leagues will have to deal with. But I think, you know, I think all the leagues want to just not miss a season. They don't want there to be this thing that's like hanging over, like, oh, well, you know, Major League Baseball came back, but the NBA, like David Silver doesn't want to be the guy who's like, we're the only team that didn't award a champion for 2020. Yeah. So I think also a bit about like a, like a rush to, to be, you know, we're talking about the big four, right? Like, well, baseball, basketball, football, big three of sports. Like there's a little bit of like a, people want to get back to the marketplace. Like they, they're, 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 they sense a little bit of blood in the water as an opportunity. Uh, because, you know, you see MMA, you see the last dance, yeah, Scott, these things being like we. This is this is huge. Forty million people tuned in to Michael Jordan calling Scott Burrell a hoe for ten episodes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So I will watch golf. I'll watch golf. Fuck it. Exactly. So like baseball is like, please. This actually, we talk about baseball dying, guys. This is a chance to sort of relight the sport. Yeah. You know, let's ha- let's let's. I, I guarantee you, this is what the the owners are saying. Like we we get a chance to grow the fan base again. Think about the 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 amount of money that could come in because of that in two years, you could be paid three to four X what you're being paid now with the new fan base. So especially, especially like when you say about baseball, like you're talking about what an opportunity to energize, like to literally bring whether it's people back to baseball or people into baseball for the first, that we're not watching before. Like if you're, the wife of some guy in Chicago who just always disregarded the Cubs game on in the background. You're like, you suddenly care. I mean, how many women have you seen that were watching the last dance? Cause it's like the only thing on. Yeah. I tweeted that. I said, my, you know, my, my, my wife doesn't know any about sports, but she's excited about the last dance and this thing's going to be huge. And, and yeah. it was. But that's actually a great point. I was in my brother's last and, night. And, and it, 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 like, also furthers the conversation because the same as you tell it, like, my girlfriend watched it with me and she was like, you know, why doesn't Michael Jordan just, like, pay Scottie Pippen some of his money? I'm like, yeah. Like, you know what I mean? But just, like, getting outsiders who, like, normally wouldn't be a part of the conversation to be a part of the conversation could change a sport for – it could change baseball for decades. No doubt. Yeah. No, that's, those are all really good points, which I never thought of as far as, you know, bringing that new fan base in and getting people attached. And uh, I have zero faith, though. I mean, from what we've seen from Rob Manfred and obviously how he handled the Astros and the Red Sox scandal and just everything about him, I, I like, at this point, I have – I'll be honest. At this point, guys, my only faith right now is in NFL. Like – I think there's a – dude, this is crazy. I think there's a good chance I will be attending Chargers games in person. Like, like I, I, I really do. You already have a coronavirus uh, outfit, though, so you're good to go. I'm hopeful of the yeah. NBA, and, I, and the only reason I'm hopeful – I'm not that hopeful of the NBA, but the only reason I'm hopeful of the NBA is, like, isn't there somebody who works at the NBA who's like, hey, every year there's something called March Madness. We're like all of college basketball is settled in like three weeks. Like we can do this, guys. <laughs> you, want, you want to talk about a ten-part documentary series that I would want to watch? Is the NBA season in quarantine at Orlando? 
the the after hours events, the guys hanging out, like that's that's the hundred percent documentary that I'd be looking forward to. Yeah, it's like the Real Housewives <laughs> for us sports guys. It's like it would be like the uh, the the Space Jam pickup games on steroids. Oh Absolutely. my god, that would be amazing. I'm, I wish I actually get out there and pitch that. Like, can we can we be part of that production team? Yeah, right. Um, let me ask you an independent question, and then we'll uh, see what else you got, Andy. But if let's say let's say some neutral sport or whatever, the sport does not exist. It's a sport that you and I have created. What's the one commissioner that you would choose to to pull you out of the pandemic and into the future? Goodell, Manfred, or Silver? Who do you who do you most trust to to grow our sport? Very difficult. <laughs> I would agree. But we only got one. I well, think, I, I think I I think I trust Silver the most based on he of of the three of them. He I, I don't love Silver, but it seems like he's just um, a very strong. David Stern impersonator. He yeah. replaced David Stern. David Stern gave him. And, and actually, it's the exact same thing that gives me zero faith in Rob Manfred. Rob Manfred is just groomed and hand-selected by Bud Selig, the worst person that has ever walked the earth that, didn't, that isn't like a multiple rapist. You know what I mean? Like it's, like, it's like Darren Sharper, Charles Manson, like Cosby, Manfred, like Selig. You know what I mean? But, like, at least Silver's got this playbook. And unlike Donald Trump, he didn't, like, throw the playbook in a fire, you know, and just, like, follow this playbook for a global domination. Whereas Goodell, I still think as strong as – Goodell has done nothing but, like, be a punching bag for the owners to take a beating for the behemoth that is the NFL that's, like, hard – but, like, I don't trust him to make any good decisions. It's just like, it's hard. Like if you were taking, if you were taking it, if it wasn't the NFL, I think Roger Goodell would be like Gary Bettman. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. What do you think, Andy? It's either definitely silver or Goodell. I mean, Rob Manfred is, he's just a bumbling buffoon. Like I, I, I just don't understand again, how he's handled certain things. I, w- I would have been Team Silver. You know, he had some hiccups with the whole China thing. Um, I didn't like that. But I also think Goodell – I mean, it depends on how you look at it, right? Like, Yeah, he works for the owners. He probably yeah. did it. Also, you know, hate to go full conspiracy here, but, like, the commissioner of the country started poking at China, and now suddenly we are crippled by – bio warfare that started in China. I'm not saying like kissing China ass is like the way to go, but like also be careful of the bears of which you poke. <laughs> I think, I think Adele, uh, and, and everybody's our- like the NBA should do something about China. And then Rudy Gobert is patient zero. <laughs> I, I, yeah. Do I sense a Joe Prano conspiracy video coming I mean, out? Yeah. We, we've argued. We've, yeah. We, I've already done this. They'll never expect it. Um, I, I agree with you. I think Adam Silver, if I, if I was starting a new sport, I needed someone to grow it, it would probably be Adam Silver as well. Um, I don't know why. It just seems to be the most like, like robotic when it comes but, to – But all these guys, like Joe said, that, you know, Manfred was under the shadow of Seelig, uh, Silver with David Stern, and even Roger Goodell was in the NFL forever, you know, and he, he, they had already 
basically said he was going to be the successor to Tagliabue. So I think what would be more interesting is a Mark Cuban, uh, an Elon Musk, somebody who thinks outside the box. And I, I, was, I, with on, I was with you on Cuban. <laughs> Elon okay. Musk. Okay. Eli, Eli, Eli's a little out there. Um, but, but, but Cuban for sure, or just somebody who thinks, you know, with innovation or has some new ideas. I, the thing is, I don't think any of these guys are really bringing new ideas. Like Joe said, they're just continuing what happened before them. Yeah, I got it. I, now, that, now that we did the, the Elon Musk reference, I do have to shout out a comedian, uh, Brett Erickson. He's I, Brett My Pants on Twitter. He's a guy I didn't really know, but he was in that Alaska comedy festival with me. He's like a big uh, Doug Stanhope uh, like podcast guy. He had a fantastic fucking tweet that I retweeted the other day. It was, uh, he quote tweeted Elon Musk saying, take the red pill. And he wrote, bitch, you smoked your first drink <laughs> like six months ago. Calm down. Wait, say that again because Andy was coughing in it. So can I hear the joke more fast? All right, I got COVID. So Elon Musk tweeted, take the red pill. And Brett quote tweeted and said, bitch, you smoked your first joint like six months ago. Calm down. Which I thought was hilarious because of the meme, especially of Elon Musk, unable to consume cannabis (laughs) without looking like he's, you know, going to turn purple and like he's like one of the donkeys on the island with Pinocchio. Yeah, no, it was, it was, that was a funny tweet. Uh, but look, it's been a fun episode. I think, I think we should wrap it up. I just want to announce the dirt balls. I'll do on air. Uh, I don't know when I'm coming back. I really am enjoying my time in Cincinnati and, uh, quality of life. Joe, I, I have to, a mullet hair look. Okay. Get a look at that. The hair is like a straight mullet. <laughs> Oh I mean, hair is out of control these days. Yeah, all of our hair is crazy. I yeah. mean, I your, hair is, yeah. your hair is, wow. It's dazed and confused-ish. Bro, <laughs> look at this. He looks, yeah, dude, he looks like the fucking, like the guy who wears the overalls. In yeah. Oh, I like that. I like that dude a lot, too. So, Prano. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Prano texted me. And I was like, he's like, when are you coming back? I was like, dude, so I was supposed to fly back tomorrow, and it's not happening. So I don't know how long I'm going to be here. But Prano had a great text response. He goes, Ruther, you're like 10 days away of legitimately being like, quality of life is better in Ohio. I'm not coming back. <laughs> it's true. I was on Mildred the other day, and I was like, man, I don't know. I don't know if Annie needs to be here right now. No. out of control. I've never seen anything like this. What, I'm Mildred? Really- just Venice in general. Oh, yeah. Penmore Golf Course is a homeless base. It's like – Next to million-dollar homes. It's, it's, it's like if the U.S. Army was like, we're setting up a base in the middle of, you know, Iraq. Like, homeless people have just been like, fuck it. But that's my point. I mean, Tug, uh, Joe and I actually, you know, we don't know what's going on, and we're going to kind of play it by month basis and play it by year basis. But uh, who knows? I'll just – put it out there we don't know where the dirty sports compound or where we're going to be in the next year uh it might not be los angeles well that's what the power of technology you can go do it anywhere nowadays i, well, I checked- you know I, while, while we have you tell before we let you go like i'd love to hear a succinct 
uh, thing from a working actor. Like, when do you, like, when are you, like, why would you stay in LA? Like, when do you, I mean, obviously you have a restaurant here yeah. as well, so that's something, but like, when's the, when's the next time you audition for a casting director? Over under, like, March 1st, 2021. I heard yesterday that some guy who works on This Is Us says they don't expect production for that show until like 2021. Wow, for real. Yeah. I mean, maybe they're doing that because of that own particular show. Now, there are plenty. I mean, Ted Sarandos, who runs Netflix, basically says there's plenty of shows happening worldwide. You know, so that. In production. That are revamping Iceland and things like that. Yeah. I mean, we do have unions here, which, you know, SAG will be very hands on with the, which I'm a member, will be very hands on with the safety uh, for the actors. So. I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. What I do know is, is that I do have a show called Now We're Talking, which everyone's heard about for the last two years, that I ho I'm hopeful. Got some good news coming, hopefully, that we're going to be airing soon. So, you know, stay tuned for that. Have some, I know people are running out of content, so hopefully we'll have some good news for you in the, in the coming months, but I'm working hard. Uh, now, get out there. you know, looking back, Tug, at Now We're Talking, um, you, the first season was a smashing success. They let you extend, extend it for the second season. You had a whole thing lined up. It had a place it was going to air. Then you put Andy Ruther in it. I mean, was it the very first? <laughs> was it the very first? Was it, was it before the Andy Ruther curse? We, we I had know. no idea. When I was cutting it, I had no clue that there was a Ruther curse. You didn't know yet. That you had been like the curse hadn't become a full, fully formed thing. I hadn't. Maybe, maybe I wasn't converted like like you did. Uh, you know, LeBron for Andy. Um, I just didn't want to believe. And now I've seen him bet against uh, you know the Patriots and the Rams. You know, bet putting all his money on the Cowboys to win the Super Bowl last year. You know, not believing in UVA basketball. Now I fully believe that the 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 hiatus that the, now we're talking is taking is due to Andy Ruther. I heard by 2022, the Chargers will have moved to Mexico City. <laughs> <laughs> They're done uh, with the United States. That's actually, honestly, if, the char if you're a season ticket holder for the Chargers and the Chargers move to Mexico, my plan finally comes to fruition. Yeah. Dirty sports in Espanol. There you go. Dirty is south of the border. Well, and the last thing I want to mention is, you know, there, there was a special sighting on Instagram today, which was some Joe Prano stand-up comedy yeah that's where we're at in quarantine <laughs> i mean that's a, a great sighting we've all been talking about our instagram so far you know but uh, joe prano with the with the new era well, he's throwing the gun around doing the, he's doing the bull dance he's feeling the flow well it's, it's so funny because uh and this this will be my section of the plugs follow me on instagram follow me uh at joe prano on Venmo, at Joe Prano, I appreciate all the donations. I use them exclusively on Miller Lite. And uh, I did put up some stand-up. I put up some stand-up on, uh, on Instagram because somebody asked me for a short clip, and they were like, oh, Instagram or TikTok. And I was like, I'm not really – I don't really put stand-up on either. But then I was like, well, I'm not really on TikTok, so I should just throw some up there, and no one will ever know about it. It'll just be like this secret placeholder. So I put up my bit that I put up on Instagram today on TikTok about a week ago, and it went gangbusters. TikTok, the virility of TikToks, like out of control. So then I was like, fuck it. I guess while I'm stuck in quarantine, we'll just start giving people Joe Prano takes the stand in one-minute bits. 
Love it. So follow me on, uh, and, and by the way, shout out to our boy, Bilbo Baggins, at Nick Dale uh, for closed captioning it for me and uh, doing a great job as always because I put it on Instagram today and uh, the feedback has been, you know, the same as anything I put on Instagram, minimal at best. <laughs> so, so go see me on TikTok, at Joe Prano. <laughs> Tom, what about you? Yeah, well, I, I, you know, a lot of things for me, it's popping up. I'm putting a lot of uh, some sports videos I got coming up from the from now we're talking, hopefully, to make that announcement official on some good news. So follow me on Instagram at Tug Coker, Twitter at Tug Coker. And uh, thanks for everybody for, you know, checking in on the restaurant uh, that we have, Esther's Wine Shop in L.A. Like, we still have the lights on. And shout out to everybody who's doing small businesses. Like, it's so – it's grueling right now. And I empathize with everyone out there trying to keep their keep their dreams uh, and jobs alive. So, and and Joe, Andy, thanks for as always. Great to be you know, away from my kids for two hours, and it's uh, great to see you guys. Thanks for having me on. Thanks as always, Tug. Uh, Andy, can I do one more quick plug? Yeah, of course. Um, I know that there are a lot of fans of our show who, uh, and I think I can I can honestly say this. I think that the true baseline of fans on this show are people that came over in one form or another from uh, talking shit with Eddie If. They might have followed me to the kooks and whatever, but Eddie is doing a return of talking shit on Zoom May 30th, and I will be a guest on that. And uh, if you know anything about uh, Eddie talking shit, Zoom or live streamed events, uh, Joe Prano has been known to do some wild shit on there i don't know if i can get a cocaine delivery uh but uh <laughs> i uh i usually go pretty big on uh eddie talking shits because i am the mv prano i'm the mvp of that show and uh there is no question on the there's no lebron versus jordan like i demand to be known as the mvp so it will get crazy so tune into that if you're a talking shit fan because I don't know what I have here to consume, but I will consume all of it. Uh, humble as ever, Joe. It's always good to see that our distance is not separated. Your humbleness. Guys, that is the show. Um, if you're in Ohio, if you're in Cincinnati, uh, come on over. Let's, let's, let's grill out and cook some chili. Let's get it done. Uh, guys, it's been a pleasure, Tug. Awesome having you on from Santa Monica. We appreciate you taking time away from Paw Patrol. Pray now. Great seeing you again, buddy, in person. And we'll be do, doing more of these guys in the near future. Dirtballs, have a great weekend. And most importantly, stay dirty.